0: I felt very much like there's this spotlight on me and I have failed to carry my child and I'm gonna fail to represent God well in this. My faith is gonna gonna look flawed because I am hurting. And what I discovered was that it was in being vulnerable and in saying, I don't understand and this hurts and this is painful, but I'm just gonna lean into God and know that he can, you know, even if this is all I can give him, you know, just this little bit, that that's going to be my constant in this chaos. Um, And I think that's actually what, with my story, sort of bound people together in saying, I don't have all the answers and I don't understand, you know, this. And that's okay too, you know, because God's, God's big enough to stay constant in all of my questions.
1: You're listening to episode 78 of the God Center Mom podcast, and today I'm chatting with Kayla Amy, author of the book Anchored. In that book, Kayla shares the story of having her daughter Scarlett at 25 weeks gestation, just a pound and a half, about the size of uh, six sticks of butter. Kayla walked, she and her husband walked through the journey of their daughter being in the NICU For six months and all those events are tragic and you hear them and how does someone survive that? How does a faith hold in the midst of that? And I will tell you, I got an early copy of this book and Kayla can write a funny book in spite of tragedy. And I was laughing out loud and it's still, you're crying the next minute. It is so well written. Um, I think you will be encouraged by her story. I think we should get right to it. So here we go. Hey, Kayla, welcome to the God-Centered Mom Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you reached out to me, that I get to talk about your story and share it with my listeners because, first of all, y'all, um, Kayla has written a pretty awesome book. It is not released yet as of us doing this interview, but um, I'm thinking it's going to be a good summer read because Wowzers. Her story we're going to get into today and just um, is amazing in and of itself. And then Kayla, I was telling her before we got on the call, she's a really good writer, (laughs) y'all. I mean, I'm not just like I say that about a lot of people um, because I have some pretty awesome authors on here. But, man, the amount of tragedy in Kayla's story could be really – I mean, it is horribly sad. But with Kayla's tone and the way that she handles it and her humor – It's an enjoyable read, like you want to pick it up again. So way to go, Kayla, on writing your new book, Anchored.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: I'm sure that was um, a labor of love, but you did a great, great job. Great job. Thank you. So let's get into your story. I want you to start by um, introducing everyone listening to your family.
0: Okay. So I am uh, married to Jeff, my husband. We've been married, I think, eight and a half years And we have a four-year-old daughter, Scarlett.
1: And Scarlett is who we're going to talk about today.
0: Yes. So she's our only child. She'll be our only child because um, a a bit of what my story is, is that, you know, we struggled um, for infertility for a long time. So (laughs) how many years?
1: I mean, for people listening that may be in that same place.
0: Um, I think it was maybe four and a half years before we had Scarlett. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And, And how far in the... I mean, I've had friends go through, you know, the different layers of, you know, the the details you don't really want everyone to know, so you don't feel like you have to tell everyone your story. But were, were you pretty far in the medical intervention side of things when you got no, pregnant?
0: No, we weren't actually. Um, we had we knew before we got married that conceiving might not be an option for me, okay. Okay. Um, and so. We had just started at that point um, kind of discussing, we had had a couple early losses and discussing medical intervention. Did we want to start trying um, any sort of, you know, medications or anything like that? And we had decided to pray over that and table it over the summer and revisit it in the fall, uh, moving forward with that. And then we found out that we were pregnant. So we didn't have any actual medical intervention to get pregnant, which was really crazy given my
1: circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And shocking. And when you found out you were, I mean, I know you go into it a little bit in the book, but tell us a little more, like, were you, did you believe it?
0: Yeah. You know, I think when you've when you've experienced infertility, the way I have the, Mm. the knowledge that you're, you know, for me, my situation was I could occasionally, not very often, but occasionally get pregnant, but I could not stay Mm. pregnant. Mm. So, um, the beginning of the pregnancy was very tentatively exciting. It's right. It was a balance between wanting to experience that excitement and that joy. Um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to rob myself of getting to be excited about a pregnancy. Mm. Um, but you still in the back of your head, there's that knowledge of, is this, is this going to be the one, you know, is this baby going to stay with us? So it was kind of a balance there.
1: And with your other pregnancies with miscarriages, was there a certain week that you had to get past? And once you got past that, you kind of breathed easy a little more?
0: Yeah. Everything for me had been six weeks or so Uh very, very early. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, I just wanted to get through my first trimester.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with Scarlett, you get past that first trimester and it, you start to own this. This is exciting. This is happening and and tell walk us through a little bit what happens next in the story.
0: Yeah. So um I was I was really sick during my pregnancy. Um I had HG like Princess Kate. Oh, okay. Uh, we have that in common. Yeah,
1: you and the princess. Yeah.
0: Just just that. But not not things like really shiny hair, so that's unfortunate. But Yeah, um,
1: well in that hospital that when she left, that was neat.
0: Yeah. That's that's not what I looked like.
1: <laughs> that was not your story either.
0: No, no, no it wasn't. No. But um but so I was very, very sick, but again I had that same feeling of I was I was almost joyful that I was sick because I knew I was still pregnant, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. So So it wasn't an enjoyable pregnancy in the sense of glowing, happy, look at me, I'm so cute pregnant. I was pretty miserable, but um, I was just thrilled to be pregnant Mm. and um, things looked fine. At our 20-week ultrasound, we went and found out we were having a little girl. Mm. So that was very exciting for us. Um, We would have been excited either way, Yeah, but it was just so fun to to see your baby and kind of, you know, know what you're having and, um, and everything looks good. And then at week 24, I just fell off. I just, I didn't have any signs of preterm labor. Um, I just had a feeling. Mm. So I went to the doctor and just said, I know I'm being anxious. I think, you know, given my history, (laughs) that's probably expected. Can you just please examine me and put put my mind to rest. And it turned out I was in active labor.
1: Mm. And you didn't really feel, you just felt a little bit off, but it wasn't like you were feeling major contractions.
0: No, actually, um, they told me that I was dilated and I was like, okay, well, at least I'm not having contractions. Cause you know, you can stop yeah. that. And they were like, you can't feel that you're contracting every couple minutes. But apparently, I guess if you're that early, you can be having full contractions and, and not feel them.
1: Someone yeah. should have mentioned that to me, I think. <laughs> well, which, I mean, I don't want to f- – if everyone's – anyone listening is 24 weeks pregnant, don't freak out. Yeah. I know, like, I sometimes do these podcasts and someone hears a little blip of something and then they're like, oh, my goodness. Yes. It's that's It's very me. rare
0: what happened to me. Yeah.
1: I My water broke on my first – and I didn't know it for 24 hours because you picture – you picture, like, in the movies when water breaks, it's, like – all over the place and everyone's jumping back from the puddle on the ground and mine was broken. I had no clue. Yeah. So, um, then every pregnancy after I was like freaking out, oh, I'm sure my water's broken now.
0: For the most part, there's signs for the most part people would know, but uh, it was a pretty rare case what happened
1: for me. For you, that was, um, yeah. So you, but they go in, you go in and they, how are their faces when you're, when they discover that you're in active labor?
0: Oh, it was, I think that's what gave it away. My doctor, I think was trying to be kind of discreet.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And I could see the nurse and I, I had been very close to my team, you know, and so I could tell by her face that it was really bad. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of what sent me, set me a little bit panicky. Yeah. Um, and was your I, husband
1: with you or not?
0: He was, um, he was still out in the car. It was, it was literally less than 15 minutes before the office closed. Um, we shared a car and I, I, we had picked him up from work and I was like, Hey, I'm just going to run in really quickly. And he had had a long day and I was like, I know you're tired. I know I'm being anxious. Just rest in the car. You don't even have to come in with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I felt sure that something was wrong, but there was that part of me that was like, I'm probably just being anxious and they're going to send me home, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I went back out to tell him, you have to take me to the hospital right now. And, um, and then I think he, he started to really panic. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, and you, um, so then were they able to stop the contractions? At so that
0: they point? were able to, yes. Th- at that point they, um, they gave me a lot of magnesium sulfate.
1: <laughs> yes. Which, yeah. Which, which in your book is pretty Your your description is pretty hilarious.
0: Oh, it's interesting that stuff. Um,
1: (laughs) It's interesting.
0: (laughs) That's a polite word. That's a nice word for it. Um, So they stopped the contractions. um, Well, tell
1: everyone like what what's (laughs) what's magnesium sulfate like in your system?
0: So okay, so it's not good for anyone. No, (laughs) no. um, It it basically makes you feel like you're burning from the inside out. Yeah. And um for me, they were trying to get it in me very quickly and I'm very small statured and my nurse had miscalculated my dose. So I on magnesium sulfate started having hallucinations. Yeah. Um, so I I just remember a lot of fuzziness and I was talking to like packages of hot dogs.
1: <laughs> Who <laughs> were we, dancing.
0: They were dancing to the in sync songs. Yeah. Like, bye bye bye. Yeah, that's neat. They were doing some 90s throwback for me um, because that's how you want to go through labor.
1: (laughs) When you're freaked out that you're going to have a baby at 24 weeks, you want to picture hot dogs dancing in sync. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were very concerned about the salvation of the world.
0: I was. I was was so hot. (laughs) I'm not typically a person who's all like hellfire and brimstone, but I was so hot. I was just like, no one can ever 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 experience
1: this type of torture yeah it was <laughs> it made me really fearful we need uh, to save the everyone because yes. this is just so hot and if they go to hell it's just the worst yeah if
0: I if I hadn't already had a relationship with the Lord that might have
1: been that would have that would have the the deal.
0: Moment. yeah <laughs> it
1: would have worked for you so they put you on that for how long like
0: um, that, they had me on that and two other medications for several days. Okay. Um, I think I went in on a Wednesday and, um, so it's Sunday, amazing
1: how you remember those details, right? I,
0: yes, because, because the doctors were telling me we need to get you to 25 weeks. Mm. Don't want to have this baby at 24 weeks.
1: Wow. Every week matters at that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it it was really specific to me. Anytime I would wake up, I wanted to know what day it was, how far along am I? Has the baby gained any more weight? Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, So um, I I managed for a few days and then um, Sunday was when I hit 25 weeks, zero days. And when I woke up that morning, they had to start weeding me off a couple of the medications. You can only be on for a short while. Yeah. They came in and they said, We're sure that this one medication will keep you pregnant for at least another month. And then about three hours labor, I went into full, full blown later. Wait, Wait, I think I'm mixing all my words up. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> you yeah. went into labor. Yes. I did. Three hours mm-hmm. later. They,
0: could, yes. they tried again um, to administer more medication, but they couldn't stop it the next time.
1: Mm. Wow. Okay. And you had a fear of um, delivering a baby in a toilet.
0: I did. Yes. I watched a lot of, um, I didn't know I was pregnant on bed rest. (laughs) So it seems like all those people just had their
1: babies Yes,
0: on the toilet. It was frightening for me.
1: It's amazing how many. Yeah. 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 So you were at a hospital that didn't happen to you.
0: It didn't happen to me. No, No. I ended up having an emergency C-section, although it
1: this is amazing. It
0: did happen to people that I know. So it was not an unfounded fear.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, like the thing with the water, I mean, people say, oh, that never happens. I know like mm-hmm. seven or eight people that that's happened to in public. So <laughs> doctors need to stop saying that. This is yeah. a real thing. <laughs> Warning. Yeah, it's a real thing. So, okay. So you go into labor, but you have to have a C-section.
0: Yes. Because <sighs> the way that um, I-, I was – progressing really quickly. And Scarlett at the time, she was um, so very small and fragile and she was breached and her legs in my birth canal were broken from the strength of my contractions. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't deliver her um, typically because they were worried that it might, it might break her. (sighs) So they needed to get her out.
1: Oh my goodness. And how are you like emotionally through all this? Like what is your state?
0: I was, you know, you would think that I, I would be very panicky, um, especially because I'm a panicky person in general about things like, you know, walking over sidewalk grates.
1: Yeah. Oh, don't get me started on that. Yes. <laughs> can't do it. Don't Can't do that.
0: But that night, um, I just felt very hollow. Mm. I felt like I had kind of retreated into a place that was just me and my baby mm. in case it was my last moments with her. Mm. And I felt very numb and almost like things that were happening around me, I could tell that they were frenetic, but they felt in slow motion to me mm. because I was just trying to to drink in those last moments of having my baby with
1: me. And so out of control, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're, as moms, we have this innate desire to protect and do the best job. We never go into motherhood saying, I'm going to be a bad mom. Like we always want to be a good mom. And in right. those moments, just feeling... Like out of control, like wanting her to stay in, and then wanting her to get out safely, and oh, that's a lot. It's a yeah, lot. there, for there was new no mom. good
0: place to fall right there.
1: No. You know, so, so they do the C section, and what's the like the first moments? Because for even for moms who the child is a full term baby, after a C section, sometimes you know they might be able to hold them for a, a little bit, but then they're often taken away so that the mom gets sewn up. What was the moment like after Scarlett was born?
0: Um, it took a while to be able to see her because they needed to work on her. Mm-hmm. Um, so they let my husband go to her, and then they brought her over in front of me so that I could look at her. And she wrapped her little hand around my finger. Um, mm. It was all. It was less than a minute that I got to see her before they before they took her away because she was in such critical condition. And um, and then it was it was over a month before I was able to ever hold her because she was so unstable.
1: Wow. And her size, so tiny. Tell everyone how much like comparison of how much she weighed.
0: She weighed um, one pound, eight and a half ounces. And that's, it's about the same of like six sticks of butter. So, you know, it's less than you can, you can pick up, stuff at the supermarket that weighs more than my baby. Mm. Her whole body fit in my husband's hand.
1: Wow. Um, and so. was someone video, like this was just a question I had, was like someone videotaping the, deli- like when you got to see her for the first time, just like, were you thinking we need to mark these moments? Like you said earlier that this might be my last moment or was, were, do you have that? Marked um, my sometime? husband took
0: pictures. Okay. Yeah. We didn't have any Videoing. Luckily it all happened so fast. Luckily, yeah. we had a camera with us. Yeah. Um, so he took pictures of her and then when they took me back to recovery, he went to the NICU with her and took some pictures and videos to bring back and show me. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was thinking like if you can't be with her, at least to be able to look at those pictures would be really helpful, you know, in the it, whole. Yes.
0: And now some NICUs have like live streaming video feeds that really mom's rooms that you can see them all the time, which, yeah, I'm a huge advocate for NICUs getting that sort of uh, technology in for the moms. I think that that would have been really very helpful for me.
1: Well, and just, you know, I mean, there's that whole attachment thing that's a part of who we are as moms mm-hmm. in those first early days. And to not be able to see them, be with them, is really hard. And I, you even talk about in the book a little bit of – Something that I, you know, you just don't think about because when things go the way that's in the little book of how things go, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when something gets, you know, different, the baby's born early or the baby's in the NICU, it's like, what? You didn't get to stay at the hospital? I just didn't even think about that piece. Yeah. You're you're better. You're healed. You're released. But Scarlet's still there. And what did that look like? What right. was that, yeah. like?
0: that was um, that was very difficult. I didn't expect that either. You know, when they came and told me they were discharging me, I was like, My baby's here, I'm not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um and so that was that was a really difficult adjustment for me. Um it, it almost at that moment is when it became kind of real because I had to go home without her and the silence in the house. Mm. And the separation was very, very unbearable for me.
1: When we have in our heads, these images of like you have pointed out in the book, like that you're you're rolled out in a wheelchair holding a baby. Right,
0: right. And I was just rolled out in my wheelchair with a breast pump, you know? Oh. and And so the drive from the hospital, I just it was excruciating the further and further away we got,
1: Mm. you know? um. Well, okay. So one thing I don't know if you, I don't think you mentioned this in the book, like friend wise, like your support group, your community, what did they do that was helpful in all of this? What did other people do that helped you get through that, that season of um, going into labor, having a baby that early and coming home?
0: Yeah. I think that I didn't really, know the value of community until my community showed me mm. you know what love looks like because I have always been a very open you know person and I just tell people all my stuff <laughs> and yeah. when this happened I didn't want to talk to anyone mm. I didn't want to see anyone I didn't want to talk to anyone because repeating things it was all bad news and if I had to tell my best friends that it made it seem more Real and see their
1: faces um, and see, you know. Yes, yeah. I
0: just couldn't handle that, so um, I really withdrew. And my my friends and uh, community around me loved me very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they they gave me the space to process. And and sometimes I would come home. I remember coming home and finding a a big cooler on my front porch filled with freezer meals mm-hmm. and a letter, and it was so helpful to me. Um, not to have to cook after long days at the hospital, my husband putting in long hours at work, but also that they they gave me the space to not have to entertain or be hospitable when I was so broken. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, it was really a great kindness that they bestowed on me doing things like that.
1: Yeah, I've I have, you know, kind of watched as people have gone through different things. And, you know, one person... I knew they just kept two coolers out on the front porch. They put a phone number that you could text and say a meal was there. And the hot things went in one cooler and the cold things went in another. I mean, it was like a system. And yeah. you know, they have these online calendars, um, care calendars you can set up. And it's unbelievable, you know, the tools that we have available and the people that think to do them. I'm amazed by people who think to do nice things like that.
0: <laughs> yes. You know, and I wasn't before I think this happened to me. And yeah. now if I get a a thing, I'm like the first person to take someone food because I'm like I know how helpful that was mm. for us, you know, especially because you know, at, at one point with our our medical bills and everything, it was also just a very trying time financially and other mm. people feeding us was a huge blessing to our budget.
1: Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I think we don't recognize how much of our Mental energy is spent thinking about what we're going to eat mm-hmm. <laughs> and taking care of ourselves that way, take, letting someone else take care of that so that our mind can go to where it wants to go, which is thinking about Scarlett. Right. So, you have left the hospital, you're at your home, and then how t- tell us, like, that time where Scarlett is in the hospital, um, in the NICU. Just first of all, like, how long was she there?
0: So we were there for 156 days, Mm. uh, which was almost six months. (laughs) So it was a very long, long journey with a lot of ups and downs.
1: And you know, I I don't know if you know, I'm a speech language pathologist, and part of our training was you know NICU infant feeding kind of stuff. And it is amazing the 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 advancement and knowledge about. How to care for little babies, like creamies, yes. like the how much stimulation to give them. They used to have where they would just—they didn't realize how loud just slamming down the isolate was, like how jarring that was to a baby system, right. and just even the lights and um, the environment, how that was stressing out the babies. And now they're so much more aware. But it's a dark, it's a dark room to be in. It is for days yes. and
0: days. It is, and so funny. The first time we did. Um, they told me a speech pathologist was coming in the NICU to see us. <laughs> I told them I was like, I know that Scarlett is like amazing, but she's still being counted in gestational weeks. Like, I don't think she's going to start talking. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, there's kind of a misconception. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. had
0: no idea. They helped with all the feeding, um, yeah. but yeah, the NICU itself, I think, you know, the people who work there, the nurses and stuff, are such champions. Yeah. It is a very depressing place to be. Mm. Um, it's kept really dark for the babies and then, uh, and quiet, yeah. um, which is good. So you're just surrounded by all these alarms a lot, you know, and the, a baby would crash and the alarms go off constantly. Yeah. Um, even now when we go back to visit, I have some triggers with the sounds yeah. that I yeah. hear in the NICU. Um So yeah, it's a very difficult place to learn to mother.
1: mm. Now the subtitle of your book, so your book's Anchored, which I kind of mentioned before, but I'll say it again. Um, And the subtitle is Finding Hope in the Unexpected. So you've kind of given a brief overview of your journey and y'all, you really just need to get the book because I'm not just, I'm not just saying that because it is really, really well-written and very engaging um, and eye-opening to recognize what you need to be thankful for, you know, that, that, um, you know. God will provide through us. But what things did you find hope in? What When you say finding hope in the unexpected, tell us more about that from your story.
0: Yeah, so it started off very small. You know, the, the book takes us from the NICU to now, mm-hmm. um, so it's not just covering that time. But um, it started off very small early on in the NICU. Just I was very angry at our situation. Yeah. You know that we had gone through this much to get our baby, and then she was suffering. Mm. Um, and so, for me to, I think, really figure out a way to to really lean into my faith and and look at what I had believed and how to apply it to this new thing that I'd never experienced before that was so traumatic. It meant trying to find hope in just wherever I could find it. Mm. So at first it was literally just in counting her heartbeats, you know, like, thank you that she had another heartbeat. Mm. (laughs) Um, and then eventually it developed into, to trying to search for that was a way that that kind of anchored me. You know, Mm. it, it helped center me to look for the things in my day because my day was filled with a lot of bad news, Mm. um, that were hopeful and, I discovered the more that I did that, the more I was really able to open myself up to loving her and loving other people that were, you know, investing in us and what I could do to invest in other people.
1: So you're, you know, when people say hope, it's usually that things turn out okay. Right. And um, we know, because you said that Scarlett's four, so we know before you even start talking that Things are great. (laughs) She's four, but how do you, in that moment, like you said, you you count the next heartbeat? The hope that you are talking about is it the hope of eternal life that you were holding on to? Was it the hope that you knew she would get better? What were you holding on to?
0: Yeah, it wasn't the latter. It was definitely uh, the big struggle for me was because of my faith. I knew that I believed that she would be healed and that healing might not come here on earth. That mm. healing might come in her spending an eternity in heaven before I got there. Mm. And um, and it was simultaneously really um, grounding to have that to hold on to yeah. and devastating to think about being without her. Yeah. So um, definitely for me, it was always the hope of, obviously I hoped that she would get better but putting my hope just solely in trusting God to carry me through whatever the outcome was going to be and fully giving my heart over to love her for as long as I had her
1: here. So every moment became a gift. Yes. Mm-hmm. Instead of a longing for more time, it was embracing the current time. Yes. Yeah. Love that. I know too, um, in chapter three, I've, there was a verse that you had printed that you moved to her bed when she got moved to another hospital. Um, it was Psalm 119 50. This is my comfort and my affliction. Your promise has given me life and the hope, the promise. What was the promise you were holding on to?
0: Um, just, just that, that, you know, the promise that God has given us um, in our salvation mm. was, was going to carry me through whatever, my outcome here was, you know, and that it had already been promised to Scarlett also, yeah. whatever her outcome here was. Um, and that for me was sustaining.
1: Yeah. Well, I think anytime we can hear stories um, with the details of the actual challenge and the moment, my moment, the play by play, you know, and we say, wow, that happened to her and her faith stood strong, Right. Mm-hmm. Our faith is tested and it doesn't falter. It emboldens us to not fear. Like our, It's like faith grows big and the fear shrinks when we hear more stories like yours. It anchors our faith when we hear stories like yours. So I'm really thankful that you wrote it all down.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, I think that when I was going through it, I didn't feel like that person. Mm-hmm. I felt very much like... There's the spotlight on me and I have failed to carry my child and I'm going to fail to represent God well in this. Mm, My faith is going to look flawed because I am hurting. And Mm. what I discovered was that it was in being vulnerable and in saying, I don't understand and this hurts and this is painful, but I'm just going to lean into God and know that he can, you know, even if this is all I can give him, Mm. you know, just this little bit, that that's going to be my constant in this chaos, um, and I think that's actually what, with my story, sort of bound people together in saying, "I don't have all the answers, and I don't understand, you know, this, and that's okay too, yeah. you know, because God's God's big enough to stay constant in all of my questions."
1: That's good, and I think He says, "Faith the size of a mustard seed." He doesn't have to be the mountain side size faith. (laughs) It can be the tiny, the the little glimmer that you're even going to God with your unbelief. The fact that you're going to him is a little bit of faith um, that he needs. So I think that is encouraging that people can see, you know, Oh, even Kayla questioned.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Bible tells us too. It says, you know, like even, even when we feel faithless, he remains faithful, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm that he's never changing. And that was, at a time when everything was changing all the time, you know, not just scarlet sickness, but it it really hurt our marriage going through something like that. So it was coming at us in all directions. Um, everything felt very out of control and chaotic and, Mm -hmm. and God was constant and faithful because Mm -hmm. he can only be who he is, you know, he was, and he is, and he will be. And that was, that was why we called, I think the book anchor too, just because, um, that, that was my only anchor at a time when I didn't know what anything else was going to look like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, you mentioned it, that is a really, that's a true thing. People who have preemies and any, you know, even children with special needs in any way, it really affects mm-hmm. marriages. Um, and it's not something people talk a lot about, but it is, right. a, it is a legitimate strain financially, emotionally. And um, a lot of marriages, it, it, it can break, them apart so Mm -hmm. that could be your next book i'll have it right (laughs) now helping people wade through those waters because that's um that's a real deal that's a real thing even like as you know again the speech pathology it was amazing how many families would come in and that was um a true need or siblings um that struggled because the one sibling was getting all the attention so there you don't have to worry about that so, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. We're all done. But yeah, I can see that. It's a That's lot of, good. Yeah. of therapy even when you exit.
1: So. Yeah. Well, and is she okay, so give an update, she's fine? Mm-hmm. Like does she still in therapy, physical yeah. therapy or anything?
0: Yeah, so we've graduated from some therapies. Um we did we did physical and occupational and beating therapy for several years. Mm-hmm. Um we're still working on occupational. Yeah. Um from from her broken bones from when she was so tiny. Yeah. Um, so we're still working on some of those things, but she tries really hard. She's a hard worker, and she's um, she's definitely much, much further along than we ever anticipated. Our statistics were really grim, yeah. and it doesn't look anything like what they told us it would look like. She's just a typical feisty,
1: outgoing four-year-old. Well, and I think that gives hope to anyone. I mean, yes, we have hope of eternal life, but just hearing that i'm sure you get calls or from people who are like will my baby ever and you yes. can say yeah look it's scarlet she's doing a lot of things
0: yes there i mean the the things that they told us she wouldn't do
1: yeah
0: um did it come to pass mostly with her you know there were many times when we t- we were told we don't know if she'll ever speak or we don't know if she'll walk and you know now she sings and runs all day long Aww. and so there's just that that joy. I mean, I I feel so grateful just observing her life, you know, that I get to see witness to such a miraculous event all the time.
1: Well, do you ever have those days though, that you're like just typical days and you're like getting annoyed and then you have to like snap out of it and be like, no, she's a gift.
0: (laughs) Well, my pediatrician told us that there's something that she likes to call um, like the preemie parenting condition. She's yeah. like, you know, people who go through things like this sometimes have a hard time disciplining their children. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can imagine. Um,
0: and I can see that, but, uh, I was surprised. I think the first time I, I kind of did sort of raise my voice and I was like, Oh, I didn't
1: think that would ever happen, but you know, <laughs> cause they still need boundaries, like normal boundaries. But I would think right? you'd be like, Oh, I'm just so happy she's here. Right. So yeah.
0: there's a lot of, there's a lot of behind the scenes of that because I want her to grow up and be, you know, a, a well-rounded contributing member of society.
1: <laughs> so legitimate need yeah, blunt. That's good. Yeah.
0: And she's a little bit, uh, spirited. So she definitely needs me to be, um, firm. <laughs> so,
1: well, and you know. can only imagine, like, I think sometimes as parents, we forget that our, our children are living their stories. Right. Like she's going to be an adult and this is her story. I knew a friend that she was a micro preemie and like at their wedding, the parents were just bawling because they held her like that she fit in their hands. And yeah. that's my friend's story of faith is I was born at 21 odd weeks and look at me now, you know, I'm walking yes. down an aisle and um, just that she's spunky is awesome. I love that. Yeah.
0: I think she's sort of the poster child for <laughs> for that the the nurses always told us like it's she was feisty from the moment she was born and they would tell us this is a good sign it's going to yeah. be hard when she's older but it's a good sign now. She's a and,
1: fighter, right? So
0: I did tell her the other day though. She decided she wanted to try to fly like a superhero off the top of the back of our couch. Just yeah, I mean okay. the knot on her head scared me <laughs> the way she hurt herself and I was like, "Scarlett, Mommy spent a lot of time trying to keep you alive. Well, please stop <laughs> trying to undo that." Please stop jumping off the couch.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, five is a little more. Like, there's a little bit of um, awareness of their uh, ability to get hurt at five. A little bit. Even in boys. A little bit. Yeah. I could really use some of that. (laughs) Although, you know, she's, you know, looked dead in the face. So she may not have that fear ever, right?
0: She doesn't seem to be afraid of anything. She brought me a spider in her hand. A big, huge spider the other day, and I was like, Oh, ah! <laughs> we don't pick up spiders and we don't give them to mommy yeah, ever. No, bugs stay outside.
1: That's my rule. Bugs so. stay outside. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kayla, for joining me today. And y'all, um, if, if you they, do, you have a website? Yes, you do.
0: Yes, yes. It's at KaylaAmy.com.
1: KaylaAmy.com. Yes. I will put links to that and to the book. And um, yes. y'all can stay in touch with Kayla and read more about her story ongoing and follow her writing. It's good stuff. Thanks. I love to chat with people on my site. So thank you. And
0: thank you for having me and letting me have a space to kind of share a little bit of the story. I feel very grateful all the time that I'm able to have a platform to show the redemption and the, the praise from despair that came out of where we were. So I really appreciate the space to talk about
1: it. Of course. To God be the glory, right? Yes. Amen. All right. Well, have a great day. Thanks again, Kayla. Yes. Thank you. All right. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased.